it has certainly already been mentioned more than once, but I know we each feel blessed to be able to come together on this Sunday morning. Sunday morning is such a sweet and special time, a time of reminder, a time of worship, of course, a time of presentation of ourselves in those matters of greatest significance before God. We have many things for which to be thankful. The title of the lesson today is Enter into His Gates with Thanksgiving. That was taken from the fourth verse of Psalm 100 that was just read a moment ago as Mike read that before us. I would hope that you'll turn back to that chapter and we'll be reflecting upon at least some of the issues connected to that fourth verse here in just a moment. As we begin all of that, may I say that this opening slide perhaps has in it some of the matters you would have anticipated. We all know that this coming Thursday is that holiday that in fact is connected to Thanksgiving. A time in which many families will assemble, enjoy a time of togetherness, perhaps a meal as well, and by the same token, often a day of reflection upon some of the things that God has made available to us. I do hope we each recognize that Thanksgiving is a Bible theme, and it's not merely a seasonal matter. It should be a part of that which you and I enjoy and take to great heart as we reflect every day of the year. Some of the things about the lesson today will be a gentle reminder to each of us about the sweetness of what God wants, at least in that way. You may notice that about the middle of that slide, the Bible uses this word a lot, 139 times. Either the word thank, thanks, thanksgiving, thankful, or something along that line is found in the Word of God. To be sure, many of them are in the Old Testament, but quite a few are in the New as well. You may appreciate that in the presentation of those, what we're going to try to do today is this. When the Bible uses that word, does it use it in the same way that you and I frequently think of it? Or does it add some considerations that might be of great moment and great meaning for each of us? And then once we've appreciated that answer, we will use a few verses to at least draw us to some applications. Let's begin by noting this. First of all, what about those definitions? The Old Testament word that so frequently appears as the word thanksgiving, interestingly enough, comes from an original word that almost exclusively has reference to praise for God. Don't you find that interesting? That host of times that we find, for instance, in the Psalms, when something is said in thanks be unto God, or thanksgiving directed to God, or by other words, a thankful presentation, in almost all cases, it has a connection to praise to God in relation to that thanksgiving. So in other words, the consideration of the source of those blessings is immediately highlighted, and furthermore, the concept of praise is connected intricately to it. Look at the New Testament one. The Greek word that appears as thanks or thanksgiving has to do with gratitude or the giving of thanks. Now you may notice praise isn't immediately connected to that one, but nonetheless, as we shall find shortly, it is an integral part of what's involved in it. I hope so far we've at least highlighted the fact that thanksgiving has within it first an understanding of the source of these blessings and the requirement on our part to be thankful for it. One of the most serious issues raised in the Bible is a heart of ingratitude, a heart that's unthankful, a heart that's oblivious to the source of blessings and takes them for granted. 
What a serious issue and what a matter that God does not look upon with triviality. For that reason, you may notice about the middle of that slide, there are several connections immediately made in the Bible that will be of great benefit to you and me. Let's look at just a few of them in quickness and in passing. First, in Psalm 69.30, thanksgiving is the avenue through which we honor God. That means if we fail to be thankful, we are thus dishonoring Him. We are taking for granted what He has done, what He continues to do, and what He's promised to do. And surely we would not wish to do that. Not only that, in Colossians 3.15, we are commanded to be thankful. Didn't Paul write to the brethren in Colossae, Be ye thankful. We cast a great spotlight on the next verse, don't we? Verse 16, in which we read, about the nature of our music and the considerations that go with it. That verse reads like this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. So you see, we're mindful that our thanksgiving and praise to God is directed through our song, but notice the previous verse again. Be ye thankful. I hope then as you and I live our life, in understanding of the multitude of God's blessings, we're always quick to express our thanksgiving to God. Look at the next passage in Colossians 2.7. Thanksgiving there is directly said to be a part of growth and maturity. One of the first things you and I can quickly deduce about somebody that's not thankful, they at the very least are a weak Christian and maybe not even a Christian at all. Because anybody that recognizes what God has done is bound to be thankful. And that will be a vital part of that which the person believes and seeks to, in fact, do. Look at that next one. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18, we are there admonished to reflect upon this line. In everything give thanks. You know, in America, when our presidents in the distant past, made the choice to put into law this matter of a federal holiday that we call Thanksgiving. We probably recognize that many peoples, long before the president actually made any declaration along that line, many peoples had chosen to honor the benefit of God by virtue of His bounty and in plenty and offer to Him a recognition of Thanksgiving. You and I, as Christians, we know the concept is embedded in the Word of God, and we don't need a federal holiday. We are mindful every day of being thankful to God. Aren't you excited about that? Even today in our prayer, did you notice, as Brother Greg led us, he expressed thanksgiving to God for many things, inclusive of brethren, the church, Jesus, and many other matters. That's just a sampling, you see, of what we as Christians lovingly enjoy being able to do. The bottom of that slide takes a pretty serious turn, at least in some ways. Would you notice with me the reading of 2 Timothy 3, verse 2? There is a listing given, and Paul was rather famous for these listings. And in this particular place, he listed a number of things which are certainly sinful. That is to say, things which are not pleasing to God. Among the list is unthankful. To fail to be thankful is a sin. 
To fail, to be thankful, you see, is not that which God would find pleasing because it's hurtful to the person and it fails to honor the one who is deserving of that thanksgiving. I hope you and I will then be reminded and make sure to include as a part of our prayer life an appropriate word of thanksgiving for the bounty of blessings, for the considerations that God has presented to you and to me. If you look at what that word means in that original Greek, in that passage of 2 Timothy 3, 2, it literally means to be ungrateful. Could I remind you as you look otherwise into that list, couldn't each of us be impressed with the kind of company that being unthankful keeps? In other words, if I'm unthankful, this is the kind of company that that kind of attitude sets forth. Let me just read a few of those verses. Beginning in verse number 1 of 2 Timothy 3, Paul, as he wrote to his young son in the faith, he put it in these words. This know also that in the last times perilous times shall come. Note first, Paul says, I'm telling you, there's going to come a time when challenges and difficulties like this are going to become the order of the day. Paul, what are you talking about? Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. We'd all quickly agree we would not want any part of living anywhere where that's the order of the day. And yet Paul said unthankfulness is right there in the midst of it. I hope you and I are well aware how important it shall be for a right mindset, for a right attitude, for a right understanding to ensure that we are properly thankful. As you and I close that slide, one of the great joys of our worship services and our other times of assembly Come as we reflect upon the words of Hebrews 13, 15 that says, By the fruit of our lips we're able to praise and to express our thanks unto God. I love that idea, don't you? Having looked at some of these ideas that have begun our studies this morning, let's transition to this slide in which we look at a few cases in the Word of God where we can expressly see some examples of things for which people were thankful. I know that each of us bountifully understand how blessed we are in comparison to many peoples around the globe. When our friends who are missionaries visit with us, share with us pictures of not only the kinds of food often eaten around the world, but sometimes the amount of that, I know that each of us are quick to think how blessed we are. Some of those folks that eat the same thing twice a day, every day, without any change. And yet you and I have a variety to which we're exposed. We can often make ready choices on what we would prefer, and we have access to it. And not only that, quite often they have only two meals a day at most. You and I often not only have three, but may enjoy a number of snacks in between, Aren't you thankful and aren't we all appreciative of the bounty of what God has done for us? On this slide, I've asked you to notice a few examples in the Bible, things which may well challenge us. What about the example of our Lord Himself? 
we know the Lord had tremendous blessing in light of feeding 5,000 with only five loaves and two fish. And He later would feed 4,000 with seven loaves and a few fish. You and I know well what the Lord did in both instances before the people partook of a single morsel. He offered a word of thanksgiving by way of prayer stated in the Word of God on both occasions. In John chapter 6, verse 11, "...in the midst of the feeding of the five thousand, first after giving order for the people to sit on the grass, Jesus gave thanks." Not only that, in Mark 8, verse 6, on the occasion of the feeding of the 4,000, one more time the Lord first offered to give thanks. As you look down that list, you'll notice even other examples in the Bible about those who paused before partaking in order that they might offer a word of thanksgiving. Maybe one that stands as impressive as any is that text in Acts 27, verse 35. You recall the scene with me and what a moving moment it was. Paul and a whole host of others, 276 on board the ship. And they found themselves in the midst of a storm. You remember for two solid weeks, the cloud cover was so thick they didn't see what they needed for navigation purposes. They couldn't see the stars. Couldn't even see the other things needful. Finally, Paul urged them because they had gone without food in an effort to row that ship to safety. Paul says, men, you need to eat. And he offered a word of thanks before they did. Can you imagine being thankful in the midst of a storm at sea? Paul was. And that example, of course, has set before us an interesting consideration for all of time since. Isn't that a beautiful thought? To recognize, even in a difficult moment such as that one, the reality of thanksgiving. Next on the slide, I would ask you to notice in Romans 14, 6, Paul, as he wrote to the Roman congregation, presumed that there would be a word of thanks prior to the discussion connected to what would be the meal. It might be interesting then for each of us to notice in 1 Timothy 4, verse 3, the last observation on that slide, there is something to be said. It is a reflection not only on those times, but quite frankly on at least part of ours. I'd like to read at least a portion of that set of verses beginning in verse number 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. Paul was able to say, as he looked down the corridors of the future from his day, there's going to come a time when people are going to be led away from the truth. They will follow seducing spirits, and here is some of what they will teach. First, they're going to forbid people to marry. But then the one for our discussion today is what he says next. They're going to command to abstain from meats. That is to say, they're going to make up their own laws which says you can't eat certain things. But the next verse, Paul went on to say, 
God created it to be received with thanksgiving. Those people are going to be wrong when they teach this. You and I know today there are folks in the religious world who believe and who strongly teach that certain seasons are such that certain things, food-wise, are to be avoided. Paul says not so. Paul says it's to be received with thanksgiving. In other words, God meant for it to be received. Aren't you thankful that we do have the teaching of God that encourages in our heart and mind the truth and we aren't led astray by what men's suppositions may be? All of this, I suppose, does at least invite us to ask a personal question. Do you and I pray in thanksgiving for food before we partake of it? I suppose sometimes we might be tempted to be hungry enough. We just jump right in and eat. May we always be thankful. Understanding that in that element we're following the pattern of the Lord. We're following the pattern of Paul. We're patterning the nature of thankfulness that's so often addressed in the Word of God, aren't we? Not only, though, with regard to food. What about thanksgiving for other things such as these? I just generally stated it like this. The bounty of the physical blessings that God so lavishly showers upon each of us. Did you notice again some of the things we've already highlighted in a few of the verses that we've seen? In Psalm 92 verse 1, the psalmist said, It is good to give thanks unto the Lord. Now he didn't stop at that point and enumerate what he had in mind. But we seemingly are aware of the fact that as we give thought to the goodness of God, James 1.17 still says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variable to the shadow of turning. If every good gift you and I have, including food as well as the other good things we have, knowing that they're from God, then if it's a good thing to thank the Lord, should we not do so? Expressing to Him how appreciative we are of the bounty of what He's done for us. In Acts 14, 17, we know that God does provide abundantly. God doesn't provide in scarcity. He doesn't provide just a meager amount. He provides in the abundance. As Paul, on that first missionary journey, came into that area, he pointed out to them that God has given us abundantly fruitful seasons, even including rainfall, so that we are able to enjoy the bounty that God has given if that was true in the first century, if that was true in that district of Asia Minor wherein Paul was then, what about us today? Surely we are no less blessed than they were. The last passage on that slide is this one. Found again in Ephesians 5 verse 20. It's at that time that one more time a matter of thanksgiving is mentioned. I'd like to invite you to note the wording. When Paul addressed the church in Ephesus, I find it a bit interesting inasmuch as in the sister epistle of Colossians we noticed earlier, matters of music directly followed, be ye thankful. Look at what happens here. We know about verse 19 of Ephesians 5. That verse that teaches us about speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, but look what follows it. Verse number 20. Giving thanks always, for all things unto God, and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul, again, to those brethren, encouraged in them a mindset of thanksgiving, 
In fact, speaking it so broadly as to say it like this, giving thanks always for all things. So far we've been reminded of the blessedness connected with the attitude of thanksgiving and how encouraging the Bible has been so far of it. But I think we all know the greatest of the blessings is yet to be mentioned. If you and I think we've been blessed abundantly so far, and surely we have been, then what about the multitude coming in verses that we're now about to notice? In Ephesians 1 verse number 3, all spiritual blessings are in Christ. All of them. Won't we take just a moment then and at least think, as you can see on that slide, about some of the matters connected to the spiritual blessings that you and I enjoy. I began the slide like this. Do you remember that tantalizing scene in Luke chapter 2 when the baby Jesus was brought for the purification rites that were to be done? And there at the temple was an aged widow named Anna. And there was also an aged man named Simeon. Do you recall what Simeon said? Do you recall the kind of words that uttered forth from his mouth? He had been told that he wouldn't die until he had seen the Lord's Christ. And when he saw Him, he lifted up his voice in thanksgiving. And in that word of prayer, he thanked God for Jesus Christ, for that babe. Now, if he was thankful for the babe, what attitude ought you and I to have who now the babe grew up and he went to a cross for you and me and he shed blood that you and I might be saved and He's making ready a home in heaven for His faithful children. You see, if Simeon could be thankful for the babe, how much more ought we to be thankful for what the Christ ultimately came to do? Isn't it interesting to notice the words in 2 Corinthians 9.15, Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. What a gift God has given to us through the matter and the agency of Jesus. The next point on the slide is the development of that then like this. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57, after Paul had described in that chapter some amazing truths connected to the resurrected body, what you and I will be like in the morning of resurrection, he then has these words to say as he closed the chapter. In verse 57, "...thanks be unto God for the gift through our Lord Jesus Christ." We've got victory. We have victory, absolutely. It's not a partial victory. It's a complete victory through Jesus according to that passage. That kind of a victory, I hope, reminds us every day of every year as Christians, we have the capability of being thankful for that because we have involved ourselves in it. We were baptized into His body, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. We live faithfully in that body, Revelation 2, 10. And because of that, we have an ongoing avenue with the Father. Look at the next one on the list. We're about to partake of the Lord's Supper. You might recall we've already spoken about food. Now this isn't food in that sense. It, however, is the vital spiritual nourishment described in 1 Corinthians 11. Over the last dozen verses of that chapter... Paul spoke about abuses connected to the Corinthians' observance of the Lord's Supper. They were bringing their own food. Can you imagine putting a Big Mac on the Lord's table? Can you imagine putting some peach pie, Oreos, and milk on the Lord's table? Those folks in Corinth 
were so abusing it, they were bringing their own food from the house, turning it into a common meal. There were those that didn't have anything to bring, and thus they were without. Paul directly told them, what you're calling the Lord's Supper is not observing the Lord's Supper. You have abused it. Note verse 20 of that chapter. Because of that abuse, look at what he later could say, many are sickly and many have died. You see, we can be sickly because of failure to do this as well. Now you and I know if we eat the wrong kind of physical food, it might make us sick. If we fail to partake of the Lord's Supper as we ought, we are spiritually sick. And we could well die in that condition. And how sad that would be. Didn't Paul remind those brethren then to ensure that we partake of it and do so in a proper and reasonable fashion? Always mindful, you see, of remembering the Lord's blood and body. Of course, in connection to our lesson today, don't we remember that Jesus gave thanks before He instituted the Lord's Supper? And you and I shall do that as well. We give thanks for the bread. We give thanks for the fruit of the vine. And in so doing, we are quickly reminded about that which they signify and mean. And we joyously go back to the scene of the cross. And perhaps with a tear on our face, we imagine the scene of the cross and what it would have been like to stand there and watch the Lord and that which He endured. How thankful are we? The next thing on the slide is this. What about the church? How often was Paul thankful for the church? You find it in almost every one of his epistles. In the opening chapter of Colossians, the opening chapter of Ephesians, the opening chapter of Philippians. We even recall in the Galatian letter that Paul expressed thanksgiving for brethren in those places. Are you and I thankful for the Lord's church? Thankful for our brothers and our sisters in Christ? These people that we cherish and love? These people that we're thankful for their example of faith, their conviction, and their dedication to the Lord? May we be thankful for the church. After all, there's a lot of imposter religious bodies in the world, aren't there? Things that call themselves the church, but they aren't the church that the Lord bought with His blood. Because Paul said in Ephesians 4, 4, there's one church, one. Not two, not half a dozen, one. How thankful we ought to be that the one church has been revealed and identified and that we can be a part of it. Thankful for the church, absolutely. In Ephesians 1, Paul was so thankful for the Ephesian brethren that he was reminded to lift up great prayers unto God in thanksgiving for them. May you and I thank God for our brethren, lifting up each other in prayer, lifting up encouraging words of hopeful dedication in the lives of others. But may we be thankful for the Lord's body. Next on that list, you'll note, what about in Colossians 1.12? Thankful for the life of Christ exemplified in, in, in faithful brethren. This world can sure have its darkness, can't it? In which evil seems to be rampant on so many fronts, and yet aren't we thankful for those lives of people who are dedicated to the truth and who would rather die than lose confidence in the Lord? And yet we're surrounded by brethren like that. Life in Christ. Jesus is said to be our life in Colossians 3 verse 4. Aren't we thankful for those who live their lives in connection and in conviction of that truth? 
The last two on that slide are these. How about thanksgiving for the reign, R-E-I-G-N, of Jesus Christ? Revelation eleven fifteen reminds us that He reigns in His kingdom. And we surely are looking forward to that marvelous and victorious day in which all the opponents will be vanquished, the faith will be ushered into heaven, and we'll be able to be with Him forevermore. Oh, what a reign it'll be. But might we note today He's reigning over His church, and you and I have the wonderful opportunity to be the sweet citizens of that kingdom. Finally, what about successes spiritually? Are you thankful you know more about the Bible now than you did a year ago? Are you thankful that you're stronger in faith now than you were some months back? Are you thankful for the progress you and I have been able to make to grow in the knowledge and the faith of the Lord? We're told in 2 Peter 3.18 how important that is. May I suggest that each of us, we may give a lesson in consideration to this as we come to the next month. As we give thought to a new year, perhaps, one of the great things that can be so meaningful is to reflect upon the progress that's been made. To think about the motion forward in maturity. I hope each of us can feel blessed to be able to enjoy that. But may I say, among the very least, give thanks unto God for that progress, for that success. Is your prayer life stronger now than it was back in January? I hope each of us have been able to at least enumerate things in which our life is stronger. That particular slide closes by moving us to this final one, and then the lesson will be yours. There are a few connections made in the Bible as it relates to the topic of thanksgiving. I say connections because it's going to relate to other things. We noted earlier that the attitude of thanksgiving can have such a powerful consequence for other realities as well. Look at this first one. In Colossians 3, verse number 13, we learn this. That person who properly appreciates thanksgiving will be more apt to be forgiving and a person of peace. Because after all, you're not as selfish. You realize that what you have has been given to you from the blessing of God and made available through His provision. In that sense, you understand there's a greater peacefulness. It does it all rest upon you and me. We know as God's children, He has promised to provide. And thus, when others offend us, we appreciate how easily we can be quick to forgive them when they ask us. Not only that. Look at the next one. This idea of thanksgiving in Colossians 3.14, the very next verse is connected to a heart of love. That is to say, we are more apt to be a person who not only appreciates love for ourselves, but also an understanding of loving for our neighbor, loving for others. And isn't that a critical part of, the Christ, of Christianity? We wish to do good to all men, especially they of the household of faith, Galatians 6 verse 10. Our heart hurts when those who, let's say, are without due to hunger or due to thirst, and we wish by those means supplied to us to aid them. We do that as Christians. But you see, that's in part prompted as we understand what God has given to us. 
The next one I would ask you to note comes from the very next verse, Colossians 3.15. There, thanksgiving is connected to that attitude of tranquility and peacefulness. Do you enjoy being able to pillow your head at night and understand that God has been so good through the course of the past day and has promised to see you through? You see, that kind of thanksgiving reminds us of some of the things David stated, say in Psalm chapter 3. When he even mentioned he laid down and slept and understood that God had provided the means of that even though he was on the run from Saul. In the next place, in Colossians 3.16, amazingly enough, thanksgiving is there connected to God. If you and I love the Lord, and if we're aware of what He's done for us, we can't help but be thankful. For we know without Him we can do nothing. John 15.5 We know that, that without Him we have no hope. Ephesians 2.12 We know that apart from Him we are doomed. 1 John 3.8 It might be in connection to all of that. Let me bring the lesson full circle. The very first observation we made was that on so many of the verses in the Bible, thanksgiving is connected to praise. That is to say, an honoring of God. I hope that you and I then, not just at this season of the year, but always, can be those who can express to God our thanksgiving, and in that way we can praise Him, recognizing surely that He is worthy of that praise. Sometimes we sing a song, Worthy of praise is Christ our Redeemer. Some of the things stated in verses 2 and 3 of that song remind us of some of the things we've learned today about our praise unto God. This closing slide of our lesson is one that is just a conclusion statement. And in that conclusion, it just reminds us of that hundredth psalm, verse number 4. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving. May you and I, with joy, with excitement, and with an attitude of thanksgiving, enter into His gates and do that in a way that expresses a heart of appreciation. All of that leads me to ask the question, are you a faithful Christian? If you have been at some point, but maybe due to the choices in life, you've arrived at a point where your life does not mimic what the Lord would ask of you, what He would want you to, to appreciate, and in so doing, you know that things are amiss. Would you not rush back to the faithful side of the Master so that your thanksgiving to Him will be received and so that you could be that beautiful example of thanksgiving and faithfulness in all the other avenues of life? If we could assist you in that way today, it would involve your repentance of those sins, making confession of them. But may I say, if you've never become a Christian, maybe your heart at this moment feels overwhelmed with a lack of unthankfulness to this point you, you have appreciated. You know the Lord died for you. You have appreciated the fact that He went to the cross for you, and yet you've never expressed your thanks to Him for that by becoming a Christian. Won't you believe in Him with all your heart? Repent of your sins. Make confession of His name as the Son of God, Matthew 16, 18, and be baptized for the remission of your sins. We would be delighted today to assist and to help and to encourage. Brother Cale has announced this song of encouragement. If we could be of some help at this time, we would love to do that and invite you to come while together we stand and while we sing.